When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special coronavirus episode of Take the Black Live. I am Dan Selke of WinnersCoin.net. I'm a little bit sick, and uh, as you can see, things are a little different today because of this uh, epidemic. No, pandemic. I'm sorry. We are recording ourselves in areas of uh, the city of Chicago and Skyping in because we didn't want to... We're, you know, leave you guys without your weekly dose of very important information on things like lasers and robots and dragons and swords, stuff like that. Mia, where where are you right now and how are you right now? I'm currently at home. You know what? I am healthy as a horse right now. I hope that's the right saying. I hope that doesn't mean anything else. <laughs> um, yeah, I, welcome Never to understood my... Never right saying. Welcome to my lovely abode. We've got a couch and we've got, you know, some pillows. If you're not... You know, watching the video, you're listening to the podcast. I'm sorry, but you should probably tune into the video just to see uh, my backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I am a little bit sick, but I I think it's fine. And I am here with um, hanging hang with these two, Daenerys and Cersei, Aww. in a conference room at the Fan Senate office. How All fun right. for everybody this is! All right, and thanks to everybody who's watching. And let's just get into it because we're not going to let this pandemic stop us from bringing you the information you need to know. That is yes. our motto here at Take the Black Live. All right, let's jump oh, in. All right. Uh, first, I wanted to talk about um, the Game of Thrones topic, obviously. So, Jack Gleason is the man who played King Joffrey Baratheon for you know four years in Game of Thrones. Um, seen here splattered in poop at some point. <laughs> um, after Game of Thrones, it, it, it was pretty famous. You know, he, he played such a disgusting, vile, wretched, horrible, awful character. Mm-hmm. You know, people have these, like, boundary issues, you know? Like, you can't really... Like, people, like, see him in real life, and they're like, you know, screw you, man! It's like, it's just a character. I don't know what yeah. he <laughs> So he took a long break after playing this, like... And he was young. Like, he, he didn't have much, like, a career before this. He wasn't yeah. Batman Begins, the little kid in Batman Begins that Christian Bale saves from something. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, I do that. He <laughs> was. And I, I, I read some comment once like, that, that people like hate him for that, too. Hey, Jen, we are like this because the coronavirus has uh, kept us all from being in the same place. So yeah. we are doing the Skype setup thing. But we are bringing it to you no matter what. Anyway, he welcome is... Our homes, the, welcome to our lives. 
<laughs> I was saying welcome. I was going to say welcome to our homes, but you're still in the office holding it down. But yeah, I'm really continue on. Towards you were in your home. Yes. And together we fight the coronavirus. Jack Gleason. Yeah. So he's coming back to TV. The guy who played Joffrey Baratheon after six years away. He was doing like little theater stuff. He's going to be a part of a British comedy show called Out of Her Mind on BBC Two, which is about, you know, family, the difficulties, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure it'll be nice. My question for you is, um, do you think we're ready to see an actor like that and not hate him? Um, Or like, is it even possible to get over, like, how closely do you associate an actor with a role? And if the role is horrid, are they just doomed? Yeah. You know what? I, for some reason, the first uh, like actor to pop up in my mind is Daniel Radcliffe, uh, you know, Harry Potter. Um, To me, I always, I always at least thought like people could never, ever see him as anybody else except for Harry Potter. And I think to some extent that's kind of true because I mean, yeah, it's kind of like, to me, it feels like no one else could be Harry Potter but him. But also, he's in now a couple new roles. Um, He's in that weird uh, Guns Akimbo (laughs) movie or whatever that is. Um, And he's on this uh, magical, like, comedy TBS show that's going on right now. So I think Jack Gleason has a good shot at it if he just kind of, like, slowly, you know, Mm. creeps his way back into into TV. People are still going to hate him for a minute, but I think it'll, like, wash away, hopefully. (laughs) How dare he be on this television thing? Yeah. (laughs) It's an interesting uh, topic, Jenny Rep, because he, like, for a long, for years, played these really weird roles that were as far away from, like, Family Family Harry Potter. Like, he played a farting corpse in a Swiss Army Man movie. He played, remember the movie Horns, where it just came with horns? Like, he really tried to distance himself intensely. Robert Pattinson was another one who uh, identified with Edward Cullen, that's his name, right? Mm -hmm. Vampire. Twilight. (laughs) Who basically went off the map, not not, not off the map, but he did like very different sort of roles for you. To the point where he is now accepted as something as not just fucking vampire anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what you have to do. So, so Jack Gleason's strategy was people think of me as King Joffrey, the worst, like one of the most hateable characters on television of the past decade, I think easily. Um, I'm just going to go radio silent for for 10 years. (laughs) As Terry says, he looks like Nellie on Little House on the Prairie. Goes Jack Gleason, which I can also see. So, yeah, hopefully, um, (laughs) however actors do it, they can take the long way around to uh, having a second bite of the apple and having a second uh, yeah. resurgence in their career as something yeah. other than what they would play. I think uh, he'll be he'll be fine. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he, it, it, it's not like he was Robert Pattinson huge or anything. He'll just, yeah. uh, he'll be able to carve something out. You know, it's actually, we're actually seeing a bunch of game people from Game of Thrones coming back into the public eye after hopefully an appropriate time um, kind of uh, laying low, which is a great transition to talk about Dave Benioff, Dan Weiss, the Game of Thrones showrunner, oh, yeah. are yeah. popping up in Westworld. Now, Mia, you, because you are a special TV critic, awesome person, have actually seen uh, the advanced episodes of Westworld season three. Did you uh, see this bit? Now, okay. I 
for the life of me do not know what they're I don't think I like if you told me that was them, I would have been able to point them out. So I did not half beards. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> I did not 100% point them out. But there is a really good bit um, that I was like, oh, is this like a Game of Thrones nod in Westworld? I, I get like really, really excited. And <laughs> then I think later you told me and I found out that they actually had a cameo. And I was like, that all makes sense. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to spoil anything. Yeah. I can totally picture what it might be. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there were jokes like years ago about like, is Westeros just a, a theme park in Westworld? Like yeah. medieval land, something like that. It would I'm, work. Yeah. I'm betting that's what's going to happen. But uh, we'll see this Sunday in Westworld. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, so you watch the episodes. I want to just get your take. So I know that you watched the first two seasons recently. Mm-hmm. And are you excited for this third season? And what can you tell for what you've seen? Yeah, I've actually got a whole whole little thing. I've got a primer prepared, too, <laughs> if we're going to get into this. Um, but yeah, I saw as part of the preview, I watched four episodes, which I believe is like at least half of the season already. Um, and so there's a lot going on for sure. Uh, but, you know, I have to say, I think in this like month to months that I've like binge watched Westworld, it has right. like quickly become one of my favorite shows. I'm so glad uh, to hear it, that. Yeah, it, it is like ridiculously on brand for me. <laughs> um, and so, you know, as a little going through this primer, the new episode, this new season starts March 15th, which is a Sunday. It's coming right. up. Um and I want to kind of wheel it back in to talk about season two. And maybe I can give you some guys some hints about season three. Uh, but I want to start with Dolores, whom we have a beautiful picture of <laughs> in the future. Um, Abernathy. Yeah, Dolores Abernathy, the old farmer's daughter. And I want to ask you, Dan, how did you feel? Because this is related. How did you feel about Dolores's turn from like being, you know, just the sweet farm girl, damsel in stress to like, this all out like ruthless killer and you know someone who will stop at nothing to get what she wants i thought it was compelling i thought that evan rachel wood is good in the role i gotta be honest like the thing Uh i most came to associate dolores with during that second season especially was long-winded speeches about um the existential problem facing humanity and the reason it had to be wiped out like she 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 just talked a lot yeah <laughs> I, I got it like whenever she started like a big scene i'm like okay i'm gonna make a sandwich because she's gonna be on this for a while just talking about <laughs> and that's where the take back there where i was already to do this and do that and do that and like i felt like the show was kind of preaching to me at mm-hmm. a bunch of points like th- 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 there were some points where like i felt the curtain pulled back and i saw the writers at their keyboards click click clacking about yeah <laughs> about their opinions on the human condition. And I kind of thought she was like mouthpiece number one. Obviously I, I, I liked her. I, I liked the performance. Um, it did kind of great on me and I'm, I'm looking forward to see what they do with her in season three. If they decide to pull back or go yeah. Oh, why not? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? It was a weird change for me because I actually did like, I really loved Dolores's character in season one and I really didn't care too much for Maven season two. who's kind of like another major player. And we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was something about like, I felt like, and I, I might have said this the other week, that it kind of seemed like a really big change for her character oh, to yeah. all of a sudden just be like so sweet and kind. And then she's like, uh, no, actually, I hate everybody. I hate all humans. Destroy them, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> 
But good news, or maybe not really, is that she is definitely, they're really kind of trying to drive that home in season three. Like, you know, the stop at, you know, at at nothing to get everything done. Um, And it, it, I don't know. It's like, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's basically her character from season two. And they're really just going to like put it in your face (laughs) in season three, except for this time she's all out of the park. That's why she's wearing like modern clothes and all that stuff. And that leads us to her new recruit, (laughs) which is Aaron Paul, Paul. not actual Aaron Paul. He plays a character named Caleb um, and he's got two new friends played by Lena Waithe and also Marshawn Lynch. (laughs) So we're really adding a lot of characters to this story. Um, Almost to the point where it's like Game of Thrones. You also have um, another new character, Vincent Castle, who plays Serac, that mystery guy in the white suit. And Michael Ely um, has, I'll call it a mystery role, but the character's name is Jake. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of, I was like, a lot of characters to keep up with. Do you think that could be potentially problematic adding in all these people? And it's like, oh my gosh, so many characters. I mean, I, I, I think that if the story is good, add as many people as you want. I mean, I, I watched, I, I'm a Game of Thrones fan, so the, the, the whole joke with that was like, this cast is like dozens of people long, which is ridiculous, but that can really give a show depth, I think, if you have, if you have a lot of characters and they're written well and they actually all have like their parts to play, it's great. Um, part of the, the thing that, that frustrated, me, frustrated me about Westworld a little bit when I watched the, first, the last season two. Yeah. Well, wasn't like the character so much. It was sort of the circuitous way they told the story. Mm-hmm. It was like we're putting in flashbacks and flash forwards. I'm not really going to tell you when they're happening. And yeah, it it felt kind of showy for showiness' sake to me. Um. So these new characters, do you think they're substituting the circuitous narrative for new characters and, and making it complicated mm-hmm. that way? Is the third season like as kind of windy as, as the second? Yeah, that's and you know we do have a picture of them too of Aaron Paul and his crew. I like Aaron but, Paul. I like Lena Waithe. Yeah, I do. I like. I love them. Um, I you know, hmm. Oh, I say you're not supposed to touch your face because of coronavirus. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I will never touch my face ever again. Um, you when I just. You know what? I think what's hard about Westworld is that you never truly find out like what the really huge twists are until the end. Right. So kind of like how they were telling the narrative in season two, it was like you really didn't find out about like the whole thing of like um, Bernard like mixing up memories and telling it in you know an in sequential order. Um, I think that it. So I'm like very suspicious. Nothing of that sort has happened. Ooh, no, I take that back. There's one tiny little thing. <laughs> there, there, there has to be at least one. There's one thing that you learned early on. It wouldn't be Westworld. There was some kind of twist. Yeah, <laughs> but so far everything looks linear. I think I know what's going on uh, timeline wise. But there is also a lot of um, which I can say jumping in between locations. So one day they're in the um, they're in the city. One day they're at wherever Nazi Park <laughs> Maeve Nazi is in. Park. Okay. Yes, Nazi Park, which if we want to get down to Maeve, we can start talking about her. Um, yeah, so right now, and you know what? I didn't close my window. And I live on like the <laughs> loudest street, so I, I don't know. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> so Maeve and Dolores 
uh, it's a little bit of a backstory, have always kind of just like they've crossed paths and they've agreed yeah. to disagree most times. Um, but now one of Maeve's missions, number one, is to get out of the Nazi park <laughs> that she's good, in. Good goal, Maeve. Yes, which we see her. She's got like her 40s hair doing everything. And then at some point you see in the trailer that she comes across Ciroc and Ciroc is like, I want you to kill Dolores. Uh, so or we're apparently. Yeah, we're causing a little drama. And I was wondering, like, do you even think as far as storylines go that it's worth pitting these two together? Or like, could you have always seen that happening in the end anyway? Oh, totally. I mean, that <laughs> that got me excited. I always yeah. like May. Like, even in season two, I think Fanny Newton has a very... She, she just seemed... Like, Dolores seemed like kind of almost... I mean, she is inhuman, but like, she just she seems so distant and mm-hmm. kind of has this, like, sheen of righteous perfection around her. Maeve was a little more, you know, I mean, human, even though she's a robot, but whatever. You know, she was yeah. more vulnerable. She had this kind of her one to find her daughter quest. She was a little more sassy. She had better lines, I thought. Mm-hmm. Like, I... Not that there are teams, but I was definitely team Maeve that season. I, I, I just liked watching her storyline more than Austin Dolores's. And I think they were setting up an ideological conflict, right? The Dolores yeah. is kill all humans, benefit drama style, and uh, Maeve seems to be a little more palatable to, just a little less bellicose about it all, a little bit, maybe not kill all humans, come on, let's call yeah. that. And so it, it makes sense that they could come into conflict, absolutely. I think that's, yeah. that sounds like a good development. That sounds like it could be juicy. So I'm looking forward to that. That sounds good. Yeah, Maeve quickly, this season I would say became my favorite character. Dolores, to me personally, got a little bit I don't know if it's annoying or still is the right word to use it, but once they finally bring Maeve back in, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> she definitely freshes things up a bit. So like, that was the question I, I, I kind of had for you. Like, are we supposed to root for Dolores? Like, are we supposed to be behind Dolores's let's exterminate humanity raison d'etre? Yeah. Cause like, I feel a little awkward about that. Yeah. At, at, as a human being. <laughs> I think that's kind of Westworld's thing is they like really like want you to start thinking deep. And I think they don't make it, they don't make it easy for you. Cause obviously we're having this conversation now. Um, it kind of reminds me of, I was watching this video game. Usually like if you play sort of like choose your own adventure video games, you can kind of help like the bad guy, you can help the good guy, or you can help somebody in between. <laughs> and the one uh, guy that I was watching, it was like he wanted to help every single body until he came to a conclusion, every single person. Oh, so it kind of just feels like if, <laughs> it felt to me like you kind of like hop on and you're like saying yes to every person's ideology. Like, yes, it's right that Dolores thinks Ford was wrong or, you know, for treating them badly or Dolores is right for, you know, taking somebody hot. Not Dolores. Mae was right in taking somebody hostage so she can go and find her daughter. Like, I feel like you hop on to every one of those single ideologies. Right. And I think at this point, though, you might actually be a little bit more decided. Like, no, I actually agree with Dolores or I actually agree with okay. Maeve. Yeah. So it's my roundabout to say, I think if you don't have it figured out now, you'll probably definitely have it figured out this season. Unless there's another twist. <laughs> unless there's another twist, of yeah. course. It does sound, it does sound intriguing. Yeah. I mean, I always like the idea of two characters that you both like coming into, like, honest conflict. We don't know who you want to win. Mm-hmm. In this case, I feel like I would be rooting for Maeve, but yeah. I'll see what happens. So my final yeah. question to you is, like, did you like it? The ones that you've seen, just have you enjoyed the episodes that you've watched, the advanced ones of Westworld? 
I would say, yeah, I think it's still a strong series. It's very much, you know, it's strong, it's unique, it's something, you know, different. It did kind of, as I say that, creep into, like, Black Mirror territory way more because it's getting a lot more preachy about humans and androids and the whole theory about, you know, which one is more complicated than the other. But you know, I, I realized that. I was like, after I didn't have episode five to watch, I was like, oh, I want to find out what happens next. So I think that's, gotcha. a, that's a good sign. They're, yeah, they're on the right path. <laughs> good. And again, it airs yeah. this Sunday, 15th. I'll be watching it. I'll be curious. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I want to love the show. I feel like it's fought me sometimes. But um, I, yeah, if I can come so around, great. Uh, speaking of things that maybe are uh, uh, a little less divisive, um, <laughs> we also have the Black Widow movie yeah. coming out. You know when? Soon. May the 1st. As of now, Disney's not yeah, moving right? the, the date. now, anyway. So it should be coming out May 1st. Because we've had a lot of things being moved. We had the James Bond thing a couple weeks ago, and we had other movies since then being moved because of the coronavirus. Peter Rabbit 2. Cry me a river. Peter Rabbit 2 is moved, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there'll be other things. Oh, yes. They had to stop shooting on, on Falcon and the Winter Soldier because of the coronavirus. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sure it'll be affecting things, obviously. They canceled yeah. E3. Yeah, yeah, that was really huge. Yeah, not that it was going to be. I mean, people already pulled out of that. That's another story. Anyway, why don't we watch a bit of the trailer for Black Widow and see what we think about it? I tell people my sister moved out west. You're a science teacher. Your husband, he renovates houses. You're thinking about moving, but you're going to wait until the interest rates go down. That's not my story. Before I was an Avenger, I made mistakes. And a lot of enemies. He's called Science Taskmaster. He controls the Red Room. They're manipulated. Wow, wow, wow. How exciting. <laughs> I can only imagine. Uh, yeah, so this was the final like the final trailer for Black Widow. So I don't think there'll be too much more new footage um, unless the, you know, usually they do like the press circuit where they're on like Jimmy Fallon and all that and you of see course, some explosive yeah. clips. Uh, so I think one of the biggest things that you see was the like the whole Black Widow class where there's like yeah. brand yeah. new Black Widows and stuff like that. Um, and it's it's sort of an Entertainment Weekly article was just published yesterday interviewing Scarlett Johansson and all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were like, you know, this is finally the movie where we get to kind of spend some time with Black Widow or Natasha and see who she really is. So as much as this is like a spy action kind of, you know, big movie like that, I think they're really going to try to do like a character study of, uh, you know, Natasha Romanoff, which would be pretty interesting. Of course, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, she's obviously an important part of the cinematic universe. It's kind of like a postscript to the whole last suite of movies, think of it as. Yeah. Like, we're about to go forward with the Eternals, all these other big things. But first, let's have like a literal kind of eulogy for a character who did die. Yeah. And we didn't see her star sort of funeral like we saw Tony Stark star sort of funeral. Exactly. <laughs> but she does get a movie to herself, which is almost as good as a. Uh, Finally. Movie of that yeah and it's it's funny because in that uh the interview that i was reading the big cover story scarlett johansson said 
she was kind of like at first iffy about like actually doing hmm. a Black Widow movie. She was like, really? I've done this before or something like what the big thing was like, she was like, I want to be challenged. So if you're going to make me do something, at least let it be new and let it be fresh or else it's like, what's the point? And so she talked with the director and then, you know, spitballed some ideas and she signed on to it. So, and yeah, it's, it's to me, it looks pretty good. I'm excited to see it. I'm hoping like I, it'll be safe. <laughs> to go to movie theaters when it comes right. out yeah we all are i'm wondering like kind of thrones in july mm-hmm. like will that be after this is all passed or i don't know what we're all gonna see i'm looking forward to it too looks good i will see it yeah yeah forward. yeah and then there's this whole big mystery about the villain and it's like you know you can't see him because he's masked and what's really i don't know if that was like in the clip that we got to see here but he's like copying everybody's fighting styles like he what? can do a shield and he's got black panther claws <laughs> and all these things so also I think, florence pugh was in it yes florence pugh um big big really big huge cast stranger things uh david harbour who i oh, love so right. yeah yeah he's gonna play the red guardian <laughs> who was basically russian captain america pretty fun. that should be fun I thought Florence Pugh was Rob at the Oscars, FYI. That's pretty yeah. much So I would love to see her if we come back here. Yeah. Get an Oscar for Black Widow. It's her, Florence Pugh, Rachel Wise, all like Oscar nominees. So, I mean, there's some talent in there. Superhero films now are very, I mean, they have gotten like an upgrade in terms yeah. of um, prestige, I think. Yeah. Like the, the MCU, it, you, you kind of can't ignore it if you're in Hollywood. Just the, the success it's had. And now the kind of talent it attracts, like, I think it's only a matter of time before one of those films wins, like, Best Picture or something. And it's yeah, I would, yeah. The kind of, except into, like, the, uh, like the Hollywood elite family. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll live to see it, is what is my prediction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of kind of maligned genres that are getting classed up uh, as of late, um... I was interested that last week it was announced that Craig Mazin, the guy behind Chernobyl, HBO's film, a very serious award-winning drama about the fallout from this, you know, uh, nuclear meltdown in the 80s in Russia, very good, very thematic, very timely, is teaming up with Neil Druckmann, the writer and creative director of 2013's The Last of Us video game, Mm -hmm. to adapt that video game for HBO. Okay, so that makes me excited because just on, on the last uh, Take the Black Club, we were talking about video game movies and how yeah. they, like, for, for one reason, they've never really gotten respect just because, you know, they started off as like, we're going to adapt, run from left to right, I'm Mario, when it just didn't really work out, and just people didn't take them seriously for a long time, often with good reasons because they were usually pretty cheesy. <laughs> Not great, yeah. And, and they've been striving recently to something that's a little more respectable, let's say, digestible. Yeah. We've been getting things like Attack of Pikachu, Stop the movie, which have gone over well, good box office draws. But we haven't really had like a great video game movie yet. Like something you could say, like, that's as good as anything else out there. Yeah. Unless yeah, not to my knowledge. <laughs> I know. I, I, Sonic is not up there yet, unfortunately. So <laughs> I cannot say. So close. If any of you <laughs> object, if we to let you know. But this is a critically acclaimed video game. I played it. Have you played it? Mm-hmm. I've watched it, yeah. Right. I, th- I mean, I, th- I thought it was very good. It's definitely of like the latter school of gaming where they are more serious about story, script, acting. 
it's a zombie story, so yeah. we, we have a lot of those going around. Yeah. But um, the fact that Craig Mazin, the guy behind Chernobyl, is having for HBO, which is, you know, prestige, like the home of prestige TV on television. Mm-hmm. Like, that to me is very interesting. Like, I wonder, like, if there's a chance for a video game thing to really break out and become, like, the rallying cry for, it's the new age of video game movies. They're classy now. Uh, it could be something like this. Yeah, I think I have a lot of hope. And the good thing about all this is that, like, right off the bat, The Last of Us is a probably one of the better top tier sort of video game stories. Sure. I don't know if you want to say That's to ever be told, but I, it's 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 insanely popular. Um, Very popular. And I think it kind of it it works. The story works. There's a lot of what would you call it pathos to it. A lot of emotion <laughs> into the story. You know, you've got the dynamic between Joel. And um, who's the girl? Ellie. And Ellie, like, yeah. Stories basically. Ellie, yeah. Joel's a middle-aged guy. Ellie's a, I think, fourteen-year-old girl. Yeah. And uh, zombie apocalypse. Pretty standard there, honestly. They have to make a yeah. I think it's like trek. Yeah, Joel. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, Joel lost his daughter, I believe. Yeah, he did. Um, to the zombie apocalypse, and then he kind of like you know by osmosis adopts. Uh, Ellie and I believe it's like she's situation. she's yeah. immune from the from being turned. So it's kind of like they want to see if she can help cure other people. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely you know they're on their trek to see you know what lab can help form a cure or something like that. And it really, I would say maybe what would differentiate this between um, the Walking Dead, obviously, which is the biggest zombie show out there right now, is that the Walking Dead doesn't really uh, have you have you watched Walking Dead? Any? Uh, yeah, I, I have. I'm okay, not, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm not up caught up. Yeah, there. I'm not caught up, but I know the premise oh. is that like the Walking Dead is more just set <laughs> on like just like living and surviving. I don't think they they don't really yeah. too much care right. about what's the cure or how did this all happen or what are we gonna do to make ourselves better. They're really just focused on their own society. So I think that yeah, is like what's gonna separate very low on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's like on the shelter and food part of it. The last yeah. episode, like striving for things like spiritual connection and hope yeah. and love and crap like that. Pretty much. Uh, now there is that Walking Dead spinoff coming that's about like the, the preteens or the young adults. Yeah. Um, but I still that, that is more, you know, Ellie is only really one preteen. I think there's like two other young kids or teens that I can recall happening in the series. So it's not, to me, it's not even going to relate to that. I think it's just going to be its own separate entity. And because it is HBO, I think it's going to be, I think they're going to knock it out the park, which I'm excited about. I really am. I'm pretty excited about it. And um, I have some fan castings right out the gate for it. What (laughs) if Joel was played by Nikolai Koster-Waldau, who played Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones, and Ellie... Yeah played by Maisie Williams, who played Arya Stark. I don't care <laughs> if she's 21. She looks young for her age. She can play young. Yeah. Um, those are my fan castings. It would be perfect. Keep it in the HBO family and just uh, make a hit. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't... I feel like for Joel, <laughs> and no offense to Nikolai, I feel like I would really need somebody like tough and rugged not to say he isn't like especially with the side by side i'm looking at <laughs> i don't know kind of like somebody like whatever mood ben affleck is in right now and i know he's gone through some things so i don't want to discount him for the progress that he's made but kind of just like the 
Ben Affleck kind of really grizzled guy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I, I can think see Maisie that. Williams. I I think she could get away with it. Maybe I'm not too hip on like the young young actresses. I don't watch enough Disney Very Channel bad. nowadays. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know who who would make a good Ellie. I'm sure there could be like some fresh talent, obviously, but you know what? If, I I I'd put in Maisie Williams. If Williams was five years younger, this would be an obvious slam dunk. Yeah. And you can break yeah. mine. To give um, her something new. And I'd still ever do it. Uh, some of the comments here. I do not have the coronavirus, Julie. Um, no. Like I, I know we're a little late, but basically, uh, we're not coming to the office anymore. <laughs> Uh, because yeah. of the coronavirus, we're all staying home to uh, be careful. I'm here in the office, just why I'm at a backdrop of the city behind me. But uh, so we're doing this uh, split screen thing. It's a good time. But thank you for your concern. And uh, Jen says, "Don't hate me, but I've never refused to Walking Dead. I've seen Dawn of the Dead. Good movie. Night of Living Dead. Good movie. Return of yeah. the Dead. Started talking and asking to send me some paramedics. That was the end for me. Did they do that in those movies? I haven't seen enough of them." I saw Night Living Dead in the theater. It was pretty good. Ooh, um, I yeah, I don't blame yeah. you. Like, that, 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 that is kind of a problem. Just like, I, I know The Last of Us is different than other zombie things, but look, mm-hmm. it's going to get lumped in. It, it, yeah, it's, I, yeah it's, it's a zombie pick, so. Like, it has that, like, like, hurdle to clear. Mm-hmm. And, like, all these zombie things, they're always, like, Oh, they're not zombies in ours. They're walkers. And yeah, they—they're. They, they're, no, they're in. They're the infected. It's a spore thing. It's completely different. Yeah. It's not. Give me a break. Just em- embrace what you're doing. You know what you're doing. <laughs> well, I feel. You know what? I feel like maybe they're taking like a realistic approach. Like if President Trump were to go on. Okay, maybe if President Trump were to declare an emergency, he would say they were zombies. But maybe the CDC or somebody would be like. <laughs> these infected individuals, you know, these, they would, they would come up with something different. For no, <laughs> they have mild colds. Yeah. Just don't overreact. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the real meat is the Joel and Ellie relationship. That'll be the challenging part. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I want to see them knocked out of the park. I love that game. And I want video game movies to break through the camp ceiling, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So as we end the show and get back to convalescing um, and avoiding the virus, yes. I am a little sick, but it's just a cold. Just I hope. We'll find out. Tune in next week if you want to find if you want to see. Um, are you watching anything else, Mia? Am I watching anything else? You know what? I had a really, really dense week of doing uh, screeners and stuff. That's true. So weirdly enough, I'm like, the only thing I want to sit down and watch is my Disney fairy tale. <laughs> TV show. I thought there was something else aside from oh yeah, Succession. That was oh, something I was sawing. Yeah, you know, how do I describe it's an interesting sense of humor, something that I feel like I don't see a lot on TV. Um, and definitely an interesting tone to it too. It wasn't what I was expecting it to be. I'm in the first season. Sure. Um I think it's kind of like the humor thing that's got me slowly rolling along. Um, otherwise I do have another screener for, um, this is like more historic, but not really is Octavia Spencer and self-made, which is about, uh, the Madam CJ Walker story, but instead of being like a boring, you know, this is old history. It's really kind of, it's really fun. They've got Tiffany Haddish in it. Um, I can't say much about that because it doesn't come out for like another week or so, but that's also something on my radar. (laughs) That's cool. 
you are watching, you just finished up Outsider, right? The Outsider? I finished The Outsider. Yeah. Um, I did. The, the last episode aired on Sunday. I was really liking that series. I still like it. I thought it was very, very good. I felt like the finale wasn't quite up to par with the rest of the show. No. I, I, no, I mean, it, it, it was good. I, I guess there's always an inevitable anti-climax when you spend nine episodes building up this horrible monster, and then you finally come face-to-face with it, and you give it lines, and it's just, oh, it, ju- it just has lines that talks like a normal person. There's almost, you know, like... Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh my, yeah. Like, oh. To, 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 to bring it's like an overwhelming, of, yeah. Of like this wonderful, horrible mystery thing to like give it shape mm-hmm. is a little bit of a downer. And there were a little, some weird oversights in it. Like, I won't, I won't spoil anything, but like the main guy says like, I don't know if you can be killed and immediately just like kills it. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know why that line was there. That was weird. And they didn't wrap it up. Like they, I won't say exactly how, but they kind of like uh-huh. left it open for maybe could keep going. Um, one of the main characters, Holly Gibney, was kind of implied maybe she's under the monster's thrall now, but it doesn't really close it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like that is a pretty standard horror thing, you know, like the horror never dies. Um, I wanted a little more closure that I don't feel like I got. I get that. Yeah. What was I going to say? Especially about the open-ended thing. Which I was just reading a review that we had go up on the site. Um, and it's kind of interesting, though, which is weird because I think there was something about Watchmen, too. Where I don't know if it was the creator or someone else who's like, I don't have any ideas, so let this be done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of like, should this have been a thing where it's just like, let it be done and let it, you know, like, they've already got the, the book material. So I don't know if they would move beyond the book. Um, and just start like going off the handle, creating their own stuff, or what? I wouldn't mind. I mean, yeah, it was a good show. As Julie says, I thought it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I wished it was great, unlike Avenue Five, which has been pretty bad. Although I will say, this last this last episode of Avenue Five, I thought was the best one. Yeah, I saw the so far. I, saw I honestly to God laughed at like one point, which like <laughs> I shouldn't have to say in a comedy. As like something amazing, like I laughed yeah. at this one, but I did. It made no, me yeah. Laugh. My, when I was watching Avenue Five, my laughs were far and few, unfortunately. Yeah, no, so were mine. But this, <laughs> this last episode, they went like really, really dark with the humor, and I actually I did laugh a while. Mm. I'm like, because because it needed to do something. It needed to like go really dark or like blow up the premise in some way. Because what they did was not working. So um. <laughs> I did like this last one. I kind of think it's too little too late. I also, before I sign off, we just watched at home uh, The Righteous Gemstones on HBO. Oh, yeah. Danny McBride's uh, show. Really, really funny. Really, really fun. I uh, With John Goodman. I, I thought that was really, really good. Looking forward to that. And uh, that's about it for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my well, God. Yeah, I think we, we pulled it off as well as we could on Skype. <laughs> We could, we did. And now when I go off, I'm going to go have a drink of water and take a nap. Yes. yes. Just replenish myself so I, I can take this cold. Yeah. You know what? I, I like go to New York next weekend and now I don't know. Oh, were you really? Yeah. Yeah. I have vacation days and everything to visit my brother. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Should I? Jeez. Well, we'll think about that. I got tickets to Broadway shows. It's a whole thing. Well, I mean, the the plus side is that everything will be 
empty you know the bad wow. thing is that i think one of the suburbs they really had to like quarantine them off because they were like there are too many cases please <laughs> nobody go outside <laughs> so just don't go out to that suburb and you should be fine we will see what happens <laughs> we'll be back next week talk about, about it uh, in the meantime we are available wherever podcasts are downloadable you know itunes google play all that good jazz um we also have take the black club if you want to buy a wick club t-shirt you get into that and see extra videos, extra articles, prizes. Julie, you have one on the way. Very exciting. And uh, until then, I'm going to go recover and come back next week, Wednesday, 4 p.m. Hope to see you there. All right. Bye, everyone. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.